Amen. Amen. At this time, the children can be dismissed into the back. They can escape. Amen. I tell you, that was a, that last song was a new one, but it's a, it's a really good one, and I appreciate the praise team um, doing that for me. Uh, I requested it this week, and they, they crushed it. And I hope you're listening to those words. All those words are true. You know, like, what a friend we have in Jesus, right? I mean, what incredible friend that he is, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Rock. I, I, I want to begin this morning by reading uh, several passages that will that'll kind of they'll lay the foundation for our conversation this morning. And I want you to keep in mind as I read that, that these words are God-breathed and that they're alive and active. I understand that the, the words that, I, that I'm about to read are they're sharper than a double-edged sword and, and they penetrate. You know, even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and they, and these words, they judge the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. Uh, these words are useful. They, they teach us what is right. They teach us the things in our life that we need to correct. And the words that I'm about to read, they thoroughly equip us for every good work that God has for us. And these words, like the rain and snow that come down from the sky, they they cause our life to bud and to flourish, and these words will not return void because they will achieve God's purpose for them. And understand, God has a purpose for his words this very day for your life. If you ever wonder why, you know, that, that every week and that, that, I, that I can stand up here and, and I can be confident that something powerful might happen, that's why. That's why, because every week I get, to, I get to share words of life from the creator and giver and sustainer of life. That, that's why, amen? So these are not just words. These are words that are breathed by God. And so I would encourage you to lean in and to have ears to hear. First passage is Luke chapter 8, beginning at verse 22. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. And in other words, I, I, I want you to, to leave where you are and go to the other side. Like you've been where you are long enough and it's time to go somewhere else. So they got into the boat and started out. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. Again, so this is Jesus' idea that they do this. So Jesus knows what's coming and he knows what's coming against them. Uh, but soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filling with water, and they were in real danger. Disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. Suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. Then he asked them, where is your faith? And, and maybe as you're sitting in your boat this morning with the storm blowing against you and the waves crashing in and filling your boat, he would ask you that very same question. Where's your faith? Don't you think that, that I can handle what you're going through? Disciples were terrified and amazed. And not at the storm, they were terrified and amazed. In Greek, it literally means they were fearful with great fear, Right? Not at the storm, but at the one who could actually speak and calm the storm. Who is this man? They asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and waves obey him. The next two passages I want to read come from the book of Philippians. And you know where Paul was when he wrote this letter? Most of you know, right? Some of you know, some of you don't. Hey, what's going on there online? I see you there. Um, it, it, uh, Paul's in a Roman prison awaiting his execution. Now, if you were in prison waiting your execution and you're writing a letter, what kind of letter would it be? Or if you're going through a hard time and you're about to make a Facebook post, right? Lost your job, right? Your cat died or something, you know, and you're making a Facebook post, what kind of post would it, would it be? What would you write? Well, here's what Paul writes. Philippians chapter 1, beginning at verse 11. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard to everyone else that I am in change for Christ. And because of my change, because of my difficult circumstances, 
Most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. And then later in that same letter to this church written from prison, Paul says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Maybe you should write a book. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Father God, we humbly come into your presence. We're in all that you would not only save us and redeem us, but that you would call us your sons and daughters, that you would want us to be your friend. And God, we believe in the power of your word, that it's alive and active, that it penetrates, that it teaches us what is right. It shows us what is wrong in our life. And God, I know you have something to say to each and every one of us. Uh, God, help me to proclaim this message in a way that brings you honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Almost hate to clear my throat today, right? (laughs) Oh, no. Okay, we're in the series called Finding Freedom in a World that Seeks to Bind Us. Um, Two of the theme verses are Galatians 5 verse 1. Paul writes to a church that was battling freedom and being enslaved in rules and things. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And Jesus said in John chapter 8 to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And and when you boil this series down, what this series is about, it's about telling the things in this world that are trying to bind us, things like fear and worry and anger and yourself and stuff. It's, It's about telling them, hey, fear, hey, worry, hey, anger, you're not my master. You're not the boss of me. Fear, anger, worry, stuff, You're not going to determine my joy. You're not going to determine my peace. You're not going to determine my hope. You're not going to determine my joy. You're not my master. You're not the boss of me. Uh, Question, have any of those five things ever tried to be your master? Ever tried to be the boss of you? Well, the good news is that there is a path to freedom for each of those things. We've been talking about that. And because I think this is so important, because I'm so messed up like you guys are, I mean, look around you. We're some messed up people, right? Uh, each of these things, I, I made an, an acrostic because it helps me remember, right? You know, and, and I'm just going to hit. I'm just hit these super, super quick. You can go back and listen to these messages. You know, when you struggle with fear, right? Uh, the way to find freedom is to remember the fear God above all, right? Above the storm, above the noise, above the difficulties. It, e, evaluate your fear. Is is what you're feeling from God, or is it the enemy trying to? threaten you. A, attack your fear, whatever you're afraid of, with the word of God. And R, remember that whatever is surrounding you, God is surrounding it. Now, when we talk about worry, I I took the word calms, you know. And and, and when you're beginning to feel worry, you know, I've actually used this, you know. Like, God's word actually works. Go figure, right? You know, C, celebrate God's goodness and greatness. He's great and he's good. He can handle it, right? Um, A, ask God for help, right? The L in comms means, A, leave your worries with God. The M in the word comms means to meditate on what is good, right? Like scripture and the good things in your life. The S, start doing what you know. Worry wants to paralyze us, so start doing what you know. Pick up a bag and fill that bag up and bring it back next week and maybe help Courtney pass them out to uh, people who are a whole lot worse off than you are, right? Start doing what you know. Help someone, serve someone, right? Now, anger, if anger's an issue, right, I chose the word stop, right? And, and, and when you feel anger, right, you, you got to see anger as a real problem. Look at the destruction anger causes. The T stands for take time to reflect. Look under the hood, right? You know, what's behind the anger? Am I angry because I'm hurt, because I'm frustrated? Am I angry because I'm afraid, right? Ang- anger's a secondary emotion. The O stands for own your part in the conflict, Right? Maybe it's only 7%, but can you own 100% of your 7%? The P stood for 
you know, pursue a different path, the path of James, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, or the path of Jesus, right? Get angry about not what happens to you, get angry about what happens to other people, right? Flip tables, not people, and heal and love the people around you, right? You know, and to get over yourself, because you're a problem, you're your biggest problem, you need to do it ASAP, because if you don't get over yourself, you'll never live the life that God wants you to live. And the A stands for, you know, accept, accept your acceptance, that God accepts you. The S stands for see God's glory, right? Right? It's a good way to get over yourself, right? You're not that big of a deal when you see God's glory. And the A stands for adjust your story. It may not be on the screen, but adjust your story to his story, right? And the P stands for pursue the path of self-forgetfulness. Last week, my son-in-law crushed a message about uh, finding freedom from stuff, and he gave us three things that we need to do. It wasn't acrostic, but it was three G's, right? You know, and if you have issues with stuff, you want stuff, or you're, you care about storing up stuff, how can I get bigger barns, right? You know, that, that was his struggle. That's been Justin's struggle. Be grateful for what you have. We live in America. Enough said, right? Um, be generous with what you have. You know, giving away, or you're holding tightly, or you're a generous person, and be grounded. It's about his kingdom and not your kingdom. Okay? And we want to look at stuff and worry and anger and say, you're, you're not my master. I'm not going to let you be the boss of me anymore. You're not the boss of me. Amen? And now, here's where we're going in the next few weeks. I'd like to give a, a preview so you know when you can skip church, right? Um, <laughs> Uh, next week, we're going to talk about finding freedom from hurt, right? And then for the next two messages, we're going to jump into the Christmas story. And uh, we're going to talk about finding freedom from comparison. Uh, is that ever an issue with you? Does the world try to bind us to comparison, looking at other people, what they have, who they are, where they live, whatever? Um, and then finding freedom from our sin and mistakes. And then for the first uh, Sunday of the year 2021, Goodbye, see you later, didn't like you too much, 2020, right? Uh, we're going to, in a message about moving forward to something new and better, we're going to talk about finding freedom from the past. That's where we're going. And there may be one more after that, because um, one I'm working on is, is, and I think it's really important, that we need to find freedom from human wisdom and worldly philosophy. You know, there's a worldview out there, um, not based on the Bible, that the world wants to us, us to embrace. And, and our beliefs on what is right and what is wrong, what is true and what is false, need to be based on the Word of God, right? And we need to demolish the strongholds that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. And that's one um, I'm still working on, and I think it's one we need to talk about, though it'll probably be very uncomfortable for um, some folks, and, and that's okay, because if I'm speaking God's truth, it makes you uncomfortable, then hey, I don't really care. Um, I care? No, I don't. Uh, <laughs> And, and, but today we're going to talk about finding freedom from our, our circumstances. Has circumstances, what you're going through, ever tried to be your master, ever tried to control your mood, your hope, your joy, your peace? Yeah, I know they had. it has. And the core idea in, in this, this message is, in, in finding freedom from our circumstances, is a really simple equation. You know, Jesus is greater than your circumstances, right? Jesus is greater than your circumstances, Circumstances. Got any? Any tough ones right now? And the text I read from Philippians 4, Paul makes an extremely, it's a hard to believe statement. I mean, seriously, can you imagine being able not just to say, but to actually live out what Paul said from a prison cell? Could you imagine being able to say this in the midst of your circumstances, right? I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I'm like, Paul, are you for real? Like, like, whatever? Like, whatever the circumstances? Have you learned that secret? Have I? Are you content, whatever the circumstances you're going through? Or are you content today? That'd be a good answer, right? Were you content last week? You know, how content have you been in 2020? Because there's been some, a lot of circumstances, right? 
And then he gives this challenge in 1 Thessalonians. Really, it's a command. Be thankful in all circumstances. Huh? Why should I? I don't want to. For it is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. All right? It's God's will for us. And, and circumstances that really speak to the various situations that are happening around you. And the word circumstance comes from the same root word as we get the word circumference, right? How do you find the circumference of a circle? What's the equation? 2 pi r, right? Pi d I just don't like, right? Pi d is just not fun. It's still correct, but if I had to choose between pi d or 2 pi r, I'm to buy R, right? All the way, all the way, right? This has nothing to do with my message, right? Uh, and, and how do you find the area of a circle? Pi R squared, exactly. All right, see? You learn some geometry and stuff today, see? Don't say you don't learn things in church. And so the idea is that, you know, if you draw a giant circle around you, your circumstances are what's inside that circle, the things that are happening to you. And so I ask you, what's inside your circumference this morning? Now we learn, and some of us learn pretty quickly, that much of what happens inside our circumference is largely out of our control. I mean, there is and has been some stuff that came into your circle that you had little or no control of. And a lot of stuff has come into our collective circle in the year 2020 that we had no control of. Can you say COVID-19, right? And all the insanity that has come with COVID-19. And yet we like to think we have some control, and we do to a degree, but again, so many things happen so many decisions that are made, so many things that happen we have no control out of. We don't get to choose. And some of the stuff that we do not get to choose is not fun. It's pretty rough, pretty painful, pretty difficult. Right? We didn't get to choose it. And some of the stuff in our circle it's pretty rough and difficult and painful. And guess what? We had a role in putting it there, didn't we? It wasn't someone else's fault totally, right? We had a role in, in putting it there. And I think if Paul were here today, he would say, he would look at us and say, yeah, I know, I get it, I feel you, I've been there, I've done that times 10. I know what hard times are. And then I think he would look us in the eye with a gleam in his eye and say, nevertheless, I've learned to be content Whatever the circumstances, I'm able to give thanks in all circumstances. And that's difficult to do, right? Let's be honest. That's difficult to live out. Because we have this idea this, that the reason we don't give thanks, that the reason we, we are not content is precisely because of our circumstances. I mean, if our circumstances were different, if what was inside our circumference was different, this is some serious um, work I did right here. This talent, right? I took a, a thing of duct tape and I drew a circle <laughs> with a Sharpie and I just wrote some stuff that you can have in your circle, right? That's just not fun. It's in there, right? And we think, you know, if that junk wasn't in my circle, then, that, then I could be thankful, right? Then, then I could be joyful. Then I could be content, See, we think the real problem is our circumstances. And so we think, hey, the reason why I'm so angry and so frustrated and so discouraged and so, and so disappointed and so depressed and so angry and so worried and so fearful is my circumstances. And if my circumstances were different, then I'd be different. Do you ever think that way? And we create this kind of if-then equation. We say, you know, if this changed, if these things were different inside my circumference, then I'd be different. I mean, if, if I could just get that promotion to work, 
If I could meet the right person, if my wife would show some interest, if my, my husband would just listen and hear me, if my neighbor would move, if my, if my health was better, if the parking lot was closer, if my parents would stop fighting, if my parents would start listening, if the boss was nicer, if my coworkers were kinder, if my children were more obedient, if we, if we did not have to wear masks, if everybody would just mask, wear their mask and get over it, then, then I'd be all right. If the right people were in office, if I could just catch a break, if my house was bigger, if my car was newer, if the winter was warmer, if, and you can fill in your own blank, then everything would be fine. And I'd be content and joyful. You see, we have these things that we think that they, these were just different. If things would change in my circumference, then I'd be thankful. Then I'd be joyful. This is sometimes known as the happiness illusion. And the happiness illusion is where we spend much of our lives thinking that our contentment is going to be determined by our circumstances is where we spend much of our lives thinking that our contentment is going to be determined by our circumstances. You ever, ever think that way? Man, if I just got that job, just got in that college, right? You know, if we just got a break, you know, if we just got that loan, if my, if my 401k would, would increase in value, right? If then, 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 then everything would be great. You know why it's an illusion? Because it never works. Because there will always be something inside of your circumference and mine that we want to be different, yet still remain they do. That's, that's my inner Yoda. I can't take my inner Yoda. Still remain they do, right? For those Star Wars fans, the one-third of you out there, one-third of a person. Got some mercy laughs out there. I'll take any mercy laugh I can. Next week, I'm doing maybe some dad jokes so I can get some laughs, right? That joke's awesome. If circumstances are what determines our contentment and our thankfulness, then how, then how can Paul say, give thanks in all circumstances? Like, how can he say that? I don't know. Um, maybe Paul was just wired a little bit different than we are. Or, or maybe Paul didn't Go through hard times, right? I mean, it's one thing for somebody to say be content in every circumstance and be thankful in every circumstance if they've lived in luxury and didn't go through hard times, right? I mean, if, if, if people had gone through what you've gone through, been through what you've been through, experienced what you experienced, then they would understand why you are who you are and why you do what you do. But we know from Scripture that Paul definitely was not someone who lived a life of ease and comfort, was he? I mean, Paul experienced some hard times. He, he was forced to list some hard times because when Paul became an apostle, people didn't, oh, he spoke the truth. People don't like the truth. So they said, well, if you can't attack the message, who do you attack? The messenger, right? And say, Paul, Paul's a Johnny-come-lately apostle. You know, he persecuted the church. Don't believe him. And, you know, he's not all that. We're better than Paul. Listen to us. And so he had it, many times he's defending his apostleship and he actually had to list all the things he'd been through. He didn't want to do it. He said, man, I, kind of, I feel kind of foolish doing this, telling you what I've been through. But as I read this, imagine going through what Paul went through, these exact things, and what it was like. Uh, five times I've received, this is, uh, let me check my verse again, make sure I got it right. Yeah, there it is. Uh, five times, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, five times I've received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. That's being whipped across the back, right? Skin being shredded open. You're going to do it 40 times. They wanted to make sure they didn't go over, right, and get in trouble. So we're going to make sure we do 39 so we don't do 41 by mistake. Five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Beaten doesn't just mean hit once with a rod, does it? Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the community, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. 
Danger, danger, right? I have labored and told I've gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst. I've gone without food, and I've been cold and naked. That's quite a list, isn't it? I, I mean, the circumstances, the thing that happened within Paul's circle were some very difficult things. And, and then in Philippians 4, while he's in prison, waiting his execution... We find Paul being joyful and thanking God for his circumstances. Question, when Paul says give thanks in all circumstances, how does he do it? I mean, is he just one of those annoyingly optimistic people? I mean, we all know some people like that, right? They're just kind of They've lost touch with reality, and they just seem so happy, but you know, something's got to be wrong. They can't be that happy. <laughs> they can't be that positive. Or maybe Paul's been pelted with stones one too many times, and he just can't think clearly anymore. Maybe he's trying to, you know, the power of positive thinking, right? You know, because if you tell yourself a lie long enough, maybe you can believe that it's true. Maybe that's how Paul's able to say, give thanks in all circumstances, right? I can be content whatever the circumstances now, some of you maybe have studied this before and you're thinking, hold on a second, Steve, did you notice a preposition there? It doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. It says give thanks in all circumstances. It doesn't say give thanks for getting beat with rods. That would be sadistic. Instead, Paul says give thanks in all circumstances. And I get it. There is a difference between in and, and for but come on, I mean, was Paul really able to give thanks in the midst of being beaten with rods? Was he really able to give thanks while he's treading water in the open sea? On oh, not his first, not his second, but his third shipwreck? Is he still able to give thanks in those circumstances? You know what the answer is? Yeah, he is. What allows Paul to do that? What allows him to do that? What allows Paul... To be joyful and content no matter what comes inside of his circumference. And listen, it all comes down to, it all rests upon, in fact, on, on that equation we're looking at. On believing that equation we're looking at. Jesus is greater than your circumstances. Now just repeat after me. Jesus is greater than my circumstances. Okay, you got any circumstances in your, anything in your circle you don't like right now? It's kind of bumming you out, stressing you out, worrying you, freaking you out. Think about that. We'll say that again. Repeat after me. Jesus is greater than my circumstances. You see, it's Jesus that allows us to look at whatever comes into the circumference of our life and still have a spirit of joy, thanksgiving, and contentment. You see, there's no way that Paul would be able to say, be joyful always, give thanks in all circumstances without Jesus. Listen, giving thanks in all circumstances, being content whatever the circumstances, is just not going to happen without Jesus. Get it? Good. And I know it may sound like a Sunday school answer, right? But it's still true. Jesus is what allows you to look at whatever circumstances you're going through and be content and be joyful and be thankful. Because whatever those circumstances are, Jesus is greater than those circumstances. Jesus, who he is, what he's done, and what he has done in and for you is always greater than your circumstances. And, and, and kind of what I want you to do is just kind of you use this image as a, as a visual for what's happening in your life right now. And on one side, I want you to think through the, the circumstances that you're going through in your life right now. I mean, we looked at Paul's list, and I think you probably got a list too. A, a list of stuff that's just kind of weighing you down that's stressing you out, some things that are just kind of sucking the life, the joy, the contentment, the peace, and the hope right out of you. 
So what is inside the circumference of your life this morning? What tough situation, difficult situation, painful situation are you going through? Are you compiling your list? Good. And then what I want you to do is take that list and put it on one side of the scale. For some of you, it's going to take more than one trip, right? Because there's a lot of stuff. And, and some of the stuff is big, right? And some of the stuff is, is kind of small, but all of it together is causing you to be weary and heavy burdened. All right, so just, just keep piling it on, piling it on. And, and now I want you to take Jesus, who he is, what he's done, what he's done in you, what he's done for you. I want, to, I want you to take Jesus, who he is, his person, his plan, his purposes, his power, right? And put it on the other side. Who wins? Who's heavier? Listen, I may not know what you're going through. But here's what I do know. I know that Jesus is greater than your circumstances. Amen? I know that for a fact. And so what I want to do now, in order to help you, help me, help the people online to not only get and embrace, but to actually live out this equation that Jesus is greater than our circumstances is, I, I want to give you another equation, an equation that kind of explains the how and why behind Jesus is greater than our circumstances. And here it is. Freedom equals Jesus being in our circumstances, working for our good and for his glory. Freedom equals Jesus being in our circumstances, working for our good and for his glory. And to help us unpack that equation and to understand and remember the path to freedom, I got a cross stick of another word. You know, just like ASAP and stop and, and fear and calms. I've got another word I want to use. And that word is him, H-I-M, and that him is Jesus. See, the way for you and I to find freedom from our circumstances is by remembering him. And the H stands for he is in your circumstances. He is in your circumstances. If you're a Jesus follower, you are never alone. I mean, some of the final words that, that, that Jesus said to his disciples were what? And I will be with you every now and then, when I have time, when it's convenient. Now, I will be with you what? Always. The very end of the age. You know, uh, this week, I think it was Saturday, and our faith comes from hearing that we're doing on the U version. We're even finishing up the Psalms, and we read Psalm 138, Psalm 139, rather. And, and, and a phrase appears twice that really, really jumped out at me. And the psalmist is like, like God is, read Psalm 139, God's obsessed with you. Like, He's almost stalking you, right? You could get a restraining order. Like, wherever I go, there's God. You know, I got to stop. I can't get away. There he's, there he's again, right? I'm getting a restraining order, right? It's, he's, he's like obsessed with you, right? And he says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. You know what? Wherever you are, whatever you're going through right now, God, he's there. He's right there in the middle of your circumstances. He's with you in the not-so-fun, my boat is taking on water stuff. And he's there in the future with the stuff that you're going to go through. Like the disciples in Luke 8, you know, the 12 guys who were facing a fierce storm, pounding them, the waves beating against them. They're both filling up with water. Twelve guys terrified, thinking, you know what? Our current circumstances are about to take us under. You ever been there? You know, this is too much. I'm taking on too much water here. I am not going to be able to stay afloat. But understand, just as with the twelve guys on that boat, Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Alpha and Omega, the creator of heaven and earth, is with you in the middle of your storm, is with you in your circumstances. 
Now, the truth is that we all have and we all will have difficult circumstances, right? I wish I could tell you, right? Life was Disney World and Disneyland, right? That's why you go to a fantasy theme park, right? Because that's not real life. You know, it's a fun place to go if you like to wait in lines, right? You know, and have your kids scream for food when you're in line and have to go to the bathroom and, and stuff like that. You know, it's, <laughs> I'm not anti those places, but I'm glad I don't have to go anymore. Um, but real life is hard. In this world, you're going to have trouble. And maybe a storm is surrounding you right now. I mean, maybe hurricane force winds are crashing up against your marriage. Maybe your health or your finances or your job or something else is taking on water. And if that's where you are, I want you to hold on to these two simple truths. And, and, and just because they're simple, right? Just because it sounds like, oh, this is just Sunday school, doesn't mean they're not powerful, Right? And here, here, here are the truths, right? Number one, okay? It's going to blow your mind. Jesus is with you in the storm. Number two, Jesus is greater than the storm, right? It, it's simple. But when you believe it, you can be in prison like Paul. You can be beaten with rods five times, right? You can be shipwrecked, pelted with stones, waiting to have your head cut off, and still be joyful no matter what. Jesus is greater than the storm, than the circumstance that you are in right now. Do you believe that? And here's the deal. Jesus being in Paul's circumstances, for the well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want, was the secret to Paul's continuous contentment. I mean, listen to those words again. I mean, God wants us to be able to say the same words, right? I've learned the secret of being content in every and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or one, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Now, that last part is probably the most misquoted, misunderstood uh, uh, sentence in, in the entire Bible, right? I mean, I, I, I've seen that years ago on T-shirts with athletes on them saying, I can do all things who give me strength, right? But I just wonder what message that T-shirt gives to the kid who struck out, didn't block the goal, or didn't make the team, right? You know, I can do all things through God who gives me strength. You know, I can be that great singer in a worship team, right? Hey, who believes I can actually be that through Jesus? Yeah, that, 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 oh. <laughs> no one believes that, right? Because that's not what it's saying, right? Context is king in the Bible, right? And I think what it's saying is even more powerful, right? Because what it's saying, hey, no, no, no matter what you're going through, no matter the difficult situation, I can endure all things. I can be content in all things. I can give praise to God in all things because Christ is with me and he gives me strength, right? And nothing can overwhelm my boat. Nothing can take me under because Jesus is with me. Yeah, it's going to be hard and difficult. It's not fun having my boat be flooded. It's not fun having the waves beat against me and the winds beat against me. But Jesus is with me. You know what I wonder about the disciples in this violent storm they were in? Like, why didn't they wake Jesus up sooner? I mean, they waited till the boat is taken on water. What's up with that? Why do you wait? I mean, the winds are blowing, right? Something's starting to get hard. Well, why, why do you wait till your life's almost falling apart? To finally say, I think I'll wake Jesus up and see if he can help. Why do I? Right? So easy to look at them. Hey, you idiots, man. The wind's blowing. Why, you know, why don't you wake Jesus up? Like he's God and he can help you? Church, why don't we wake Jesus up? Because he's God and he can help us. Right? Freedom equals Jesus being in our circumstances, working for our good and his glory. And the way you walk that path of freedom is by remembering him, H. He is in your circumstance. I, in all circumstances, he's working for your good. He's working for your good. He's not only in your circumstances, he's in your circumstances working for your good. Well, what good is he working in my circumstance? Because I ain't saying it. Because most of us, the good we want in the work in our circumstance is what? 
get us out of our circumstance, right? That's the good we want. Make things better, right? Make things better. Do what I want. That's the good we want. But he is working good. I think the good he is working is gooder than the good that we might want him to work. And three passages I'm going to read. And God is hoping some of you will listen to these because this is what he wants to say to some of you in this room and listen online. Romans 5, 3, and 4. We can rejoice too when we run into the problems and trials. When we run into not fun stuff. When our boat's taken on water and we think we're going to drown. For we know, for we know that they help us develop endurance. Endurance develops strength of character. And by the way, God is more interested in your character than in your comfort. Sorry. (laughs) And character strengthens that's why he's more interested in it. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. James said much the same thing. You know this verse. Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you go through trials of many kinds, because you know. Paul said, for we know. James says, because we know. That the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. I get it. I feel you. At times, our circumstances can be so overwhelming. I mean, the pain, the hurt, the loss, the fear, the loneliness, the uncertainty, the worry, the betrayal, the hopelessness can be so intense that it seems almost impossible not to let those things become your master, to become the boss of your joy, the boss of your contentment, the boss of your life. But listen, real freedom is found in knowing, right? For we know, because we know, and we know, that in circumstances, all circumstances, God is working for the good, for your good. To do what? To help you develop endurance. To help you develop strength of character, right? More important than your comfort. To give you confident hope of your salvation. Hey, I'm going home, you know? I, when I was in the, on, on the Navy and the subs, like when guys were getting close to getting out, they would wear you know, a chain on their belt. We called it a short timer's chain, like little bees that you have like your dog tags on. And every day they would clip one off. It was called a short timer's chain. They clip one off, clip one off each day, clip one off. And you watch that chain get smaller and smaller. And they know it when there's just one bead left, they're going home, right? It's a wake up and they're going home, right? And, 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 uh, and they would say, hey, you know what? They can make it longer, but they can't make it harder, right? right? I mean, they can make it harder, but they can't make it longer, right? Because I'm going home. You know, I'm going home, right? And, and we know. When we have a confidence over salvation, we're like, hey, you know what? Yeah, you can, you can make this life hard. It can be difficult. But guess what? I'm going home. Also, to make you mature, complete, not lacking in anything. And so that you become more like Jesus. You see, knowing that he's working, right? Whatever you're going through, this is what God wants to do in it. And when we know that, it helps us to find freedom from our circumstances, See, when we know that there's a purpose, right? We know there's a purpose, that there's a plan, you know, behind the pain, right? You know, that there's something good that can come out of it. That's a huge part in finding freedom, right? It's just not, it's not, you know, don't waste a hurt, right? Allow God to use that hurt and pain for something good. You don't just have to go through it. You can grow through it and become who God wants you to be. And the M in the word him stands for we're about done, but this, this is really huge. Make your circumstances about his glory. You see, every storm, every difficulty, every painful situation that you want to remove out of the circumference of your life is an opportunity for you to bring glory to God. Look, look, look what Paul says. 
Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, my imprisonment, my chains, everything I've been through, all the difficulties, all the danger, has actually served to advance the gospel as a result of my circumstances. It's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, because of my circumstances, because of the things that came into my circumference that maybe I did not want to be there, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. And here's something that, that I've learned about circumstances and hard times and difficult times. And here's the way I, I like to phrase it. it, it is, uh, our circumstances put us in the center ring with a powerful and undeniable opportunity to bring him glory, right? Every time you're going through a hard time, right? Because when your life is going great, Got the promotion, everything's great, everybody loves you, right? You know, you know, uh, you're, you could have a testimony, but it's not as powerful as when your world is falling apart, right? And you're going through a difficult time. You know, uh, yeah, about 24 years ago, I had a ringside seat to somebody who lived that out. Ringside. And to someone who, who, who saw her difficulty, who, who saw her terminal cancer as an opportunity to bring God glory. Her name was Judy, and she was, she was my first wife. And, and, and she brought God glory in so many ways. When she was first in the hospital, when it was so bad and so devastating, and I had a, a nurse from our church named Lisette staying with her, and I was so home with my, my two young kids, and, and I talked to Lisette the next day, and she said, hey, a nurse was talking to her, was saying, hey, does that lady Judy like, know how sick she is. She must not. She goes, oh, yeah, she knows how sick she is. Well, then how can she be so joyful and so happy? And Lisette said, well, because she's a Jesus follower. And, and, and the nurse asked her, does he really make that much of a difference? And Lisette said, yeah, he does. And then there was a young guy in his 20s named Jim Masson who uh, Judy got up and gave a testimony one Sunday at church. And uh, he was a searcher. He was looking to, to build a relationship with God. He wasn't saved yet. And he heard her speak and, and, and talk about how she was in a win-win situation. If God healed her, she won. If he didn't, she won. And, and Jim heard her testimony, saw the way she lived, came up to me one Sunday and just said, I want to have what she has. A woman dying of cancer, wearing a wig, weighing 85 pounds, three months from death, and this young man says, I want to have what she has. And Jim gave his life to Jesus and was baptized. You, you see, when, when you have a hard time, man, it's, we can have a pity party, but no one's coming. <laughs> or we can say, yeah, this is hard and this is difficult, but Jesus is he's with me in it. He's, he's working this out for my good. And, and, and I can use this to show people that even in hard times and difficult times, in times where things do not go my way, that God is good, right? That God is not just good when things are good, that God is good when things are hard, and God is good when things are difficult. Make your circumstance about his glory. Two passages, and this is not a Steve we're almost done. This is a really we're almost done. Um, but in John chapter 9, there's a guy who's born blind. Um, and, and the disciples see him, and they, they ask Jesus, hey, like, Jesus, is this, this guy's blind. Is it because he's, it's cause he, is it cause he's a sinner? He did something wrong? Or is mom and dad something wrong? Is that, is that why he has this difficulty? Because sometimes we have problems, right? And we think, what did I do wrong? Maybe he did nothing wrong. Well, maybe you did something wrong, but a lot of times you did nothing wrong, right? And, and, and I love this, you know. And, and I don't know if you heard, heard the guy Nick, can't remember his last name, the guy that has no arms and legs, that is a motivational speaker, the guy who likes to be hiding baggage compartments in planes so he can freak people out, you know, get his friends and put them in the baggage compartment above the seats, and he hides in there, and people open it up, and he just scares them, and, you know, uh, you got to look this guy up. 
great motivational speaker. Now he likes it in his car. He'll have a seatbelt on in his car. It'll just rotate around, and people look like, what happened? How did he do a 360, you know, in his car with his seatbelt on? But anyhow, um, uh, this verse changed his life because he always wondered, like, why, God? Why was I born with no legs and arms? Why? This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. You know, I don't know all the reasons why you're going through that hard time. But I know one reason this has happened. So the works of God might display it in your life. So that God's glory might be displayed in your life and in those circumstances. Paul said this, I trust that my life will bring honor to God. Whether I live or die. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Like I said earlier, I, I don't know what storms you're going through. I don't know what's in your circumference right now. But again, what I do know without a doubt, and I remind myself as much as I remind you, because let me tell you, there's a lot of times I let circumstances become my master. When things are going my way, I can depress and discourage. And I can send out invitations to a pity party, right? And I look around, it's just me right? Uh, So I get it, right? I understand. But what I do know and what I'm trying to remind myself and you of is that Jesus is greater than your circumstances and that freedom is found in Jesus being in your circumstances, working for your good and his glory. And that the path of freedom from your circumstances is remembering him, H-I-M. He is in your circumstance right now. In all circumstances that you will ever be in, he is working for your good. And you need to make your circumstance about his glory. And when you do that, like Paul in a Roman jail, you'll say, hey, yo, I've learned the secret of being content in every situation. Whether things are going well or things are not going so well. I can endure anything. I can make it through anything. I can be content in anything. I can be thankful and joyful in anything through him who gives me strength. Amen? Amen. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for your truth. We thank you that we do not have to depend on words of people because the most powerful words spoken today were not the words that I wrote on paper, but the words that you breathed 2,000 years ago. And Father God, I know that in this room, and I know that those listening online, and I know that we all know people, God, that right now that circumstances have become their master, that what they're going through has determined their mood, has determined their hope, has determined their peace, has determined their joy. But God, thank you that there is freedom from our circumstances. Jesus, thank you for being in our circumstances. Remind us of that. Remind that person of home right now going through a difficult time of that. Remind that person that room, in the room of that. And God, uh, remind us that not only are you in our circumstances, but that you are in our circumstances working for our good. Make us mature, complete, to give us endurance, to build our character, to give us confidence, hope of salvation, to make us more like your son. And God, help us to stop having pity parties but to see our circumstance as an opportunity, God, to bring you glory. God, we love you. And Jesus, as we sing this song about you, help us to remember you. May we remember him as we sing these words. And may your spirit move in us and use us in a world right now that has so many not-so-good circumstances. May we be the ones who show the way. In Jesus' name, amen.